Welcome to this amazing, mind-blowing podcast. The Emissions Trading Scheme is one of the government's tools for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. By putting a price on emissions and charging certain sectors of the economy for the greenhouse gases they emit, its purpose is to help New Zealand meet international obligations under the Paris Agreement. All sectors of New Zealand's economy, apart from agriculture, pay for their emissions through the scheme. Recently, the emissions trading scheme has faced criticism for relying too heavily on planting trees to absorb carbon dioxide instead of actually cutting down the amount of damaging greenhouse gases being produced. Climate Change Commission Chairperson Rod Carr has said the practice was not in keeping with international efforts to keep warming below catastrophic levels. I had a chat with Rod about some of the issues with the emissions trading scheme, as well as how these issues can be addressed to achieve a low emissions economy in the future. Here is our conversation. Rod, at the Business and Climate Conference in Auckland, you said that the emissions trading scheme needs reform. What did you mean by this? So, Seb, we, in our Anaya Tonune report to the government in May 2021, uh, the Climate Change Commission pointed out that some of the way in which the emissions trading scheme worked was encouraging uh, some emitters, polluters, to continue high levels of emissions and simply pay the price of planting trees, that in the long run this is not in New Zealand's best interests, that we cannot simply plant our way out of our emissions, that we need to reduce our gross emissions, and the emissions trading scheme needs to be calibrated in such a way that it rewards those who reduce emissions, and currently we seem to be excessively incentivizing those who are trying to sequester emissions. So that's why the Commission said the government needs to look at this outcome and re-architecture part of the emissions trading scheme to better meet our goals in the long term. So the emissions trading scheme has been compared to a game of musical chairs, you know, with less uh, uh, units being allocated into the market each year. This is theoretically meant to drive innovation and see businesses find new ways to reduce their emissions. In reality, is that not what's going on? Are we just seeing the same level of emissions across industry and more trees being planted? We are seeing some reduction in emissions from industry, particularly um, the energy sector now faces a very real cost of burning fossil fuels to generate electricity. But what we are also seeing is a rapid increase in intended planting rates of Pinus radiata that we understand to be primarily driven not because of the value of the wood in the bioeconomy, but because of the value of the credits from sequestering carbon. So all of that suggests that while this uh, emissions trading scheme is playing a part, it's not capped in the way that you've described because there's effectively an unlimited, currently unlimited ability to plant trees and enter them into the system for credits, holding gross emissions higher than they would otherwise be. The big elephant in the room here when it comes to a conversation about the emissions trading scheme is the agricultural sector. They currently don't surrender emissions units. Um, so when you say that the emissions trading scheme needs reform, do you think that this is somewhere we need to start, incorporating the agricultural sector into the ETS? Or is that just too politically risky? No, a, lot of, a lot of work has been done <clears throat> around the way in which you might price agricultural emissions. And both the sector and the commission conclude that if you want to get emissions rewarded for being reduced in the agricultural sector, given we have a specific quantitative target for biogenic methane, which is to reduce that by 10% 
from 2017 levels by 2030, given that specific target, then actually it's not appropriate to put agriculture into the emissions trading scheme in full. It is appropriate, the Commission believes, to put synthetic fertiliser essentially into the ETS at the importer and manufacturer level. But we think farm-level pricing for biogenic methane emissions will reward lower-emitting farming practices and land-use change towards lower-emitting uses. So we and the industry agree that that farm-level pricing is likely to be more effective in achieving our statutory targets than simply putting every one of 23,000 farms into the ETS. Mm, mm. And is that currently in place? No, the government uh, has received a report from the sector, um, the report uh, from a group called Haywaka Ekanoa. Uh, the commission has provided its advice on the readiness of the agricultural sector to face emissions pricing. Uh, and the government is obviously being lobbied by various stakeholder groups and seeking advice from officials. But by the end of this year, the government must report to all New Zealand on how it intends to price agricultural emissions by the 1st of January 2025. Mm. Rod, uh, the ETS runs on a self-assessment model, um, kind of like how businesses need to pay tax. They have to self-assess and declare their level of emissions. Um, Have we found that there's much non-compliance within the scheme? Well, while initially it is self-assessed, it's like the Inland Revenue Department and your tax return. Yes, you provide the initial assessment, but it's subject to audit and review and penalties if you're found not to have been accurate in the information that you have provided. So, yes, initial self-assessment, but that's not the end of it. Mm, Right. Another thing I want to talk about is how... The emissions trading scheme started out as this international ordeal with, um, you know, originally the Kyoto Protocol and Kyoto units being allocated to different countries. Uh, Do you see any benefit in this ever happening again? Um, You know, climate change is a global issue and a lot of people say that it needs this global multilateral response. But right now it's kind of, you know, segregated just to within... Uh, countries alone, and some countries don't even have schemes. So you are correct in the history of the Kyoto Protocol was a top-down allocation system. Uh, It then allowed for international trading and the creation of new credits. Uh, It turned out that that scheme failed to deliver the emissions reductions, that the caps turned out not to be binding. The units were over-allocated, and some pretty shonky units were entered into the system. And it's for that reason that the world decided that in the Paris Agreement in 2015, which was made uh, part of New Zealand's obligations in 2016, that we would have a different process whereby each nation state would essentially lay a claim on the global commons and that each uh, period those nation states would have to reduce their claim on the global commons. So it was a bottom-up, highly transparent Uh, self-commitment regime, if all of the pledges that have been made are met, then we are on a pathway to two degrees of global warming this century. Uh, If the pledges are not met and we continue as we are, then we're on a pathway to well exceed three degrees of warming. So ambition is one thing, but action is the only thing that will reduce emissions. Mm -hmm. 
so Rod, you've you've claimed that the system needs a bit of change. Um, you've you've said that there've been recommendations made to the government on uh, you know finding ways to account for agricultural emissions. What's what's the plan from here? Um, and and how long is it going to take until we start uh, you know actually seeing significant lowering of emissions? So um, forecasting is always a challenge, but what we have in New Zealand is the institutional arrangements where we have transparent targets and plan to achieve those targets and through the Climate Change Commission, an independent body to advise New Zealanders of our progress against those plans. What we're seeing in the business community is increasingly investors and customers are demanding and expecting lower emissions products and services to be made available. I think the business community is beginning to move quite rapidly because they sense that high emitting products are going to be less valued in the future and more expensive to produce. So global capital, as well as consumers, are beginning to shape the demands for lower emitting products and services in the future. So there's a risk essentially for Kiwi businesses if they don't you know, adapt to new circumstances in a world that's demanding lower emission products. That would absolutely be my view, is that if you stand in the middle of the road, you are going to get run over. You're going to get run over by competitors who have adopted new lower emitting technologies. You're going to get run out of town because your customers are going to leave for more lowering, uh, lower emitting products and services. You're going to confront regulatory impediments as well as escalating costs. And as a consequence, you are a vulnerable business. Mm, mm. So essentially, there's a real opportunity for New Zealand here. I believe so. I believe that if you think forward to a low or near zero emissions society in the middle of the century, the products and services that that society will demand and be prepared to pay for are the products and services of the future. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.